War, refugees, pipelines, Nazis, Gerhard Schroeder. Things just keep happening and people keep doing them. And Megan and Conrad are here to tell you about it with the soft cushion of an attitude adjuster, aka a woman coke. What's all this about then? I'm Megan. I'm here with Ex Berliner Magazine and Conrad Fauna. Hello. Hello. How are you? I'm great. Uh, well, are you sure? <laughs> <laughs> well, it is very sunny outside, so that's nice. The weather is lovely. Yeah. Although I did read something. There's always bad no, news with the no, weather. No, <laughs> no, okay. no. Sorry. I'm... <laughs> okay, I won't, I won't We're going to bookend this episode with some positives. Okay. And one of them is going to be the weather. Yes. And yeah, I'm sure we're all aware. I was thinking about this yesterday that even the weather is no longer like apolitical. No, can't even talk about the weather with your neighbours without worrying about if you're going to get into a political war. Yes, climate change denial. But it is lovely here yeah. in here in I think most of most of Northern Europe. And for the first time, we always do the podcast on different days, but like roughly the same time in the evening. Daylight, yeah, coming up your stairs. Oh, yeah. Quite excited about that. And the clocks haven't even gone back. Right, which is happening this weekend. I know. Beware, everybody. Mind you, now everything happens digitally. I wake up doubly confused because all my clocks are digital. And I'm just like, did it, did it go back? Are they on the right times? Or do I need to do it manually? It's <laughs> <How do> you... <laughs> like text people. How do you know they know? Well, that's how, how do I know that they have known? Yeah, that's what I meant. Yeah. Gross. Right. Obviously, there's a lot going on, as always, but even worse than usual, because we have actual war in in Europe. But today, we're going to drink after work. And I was just like, everything is terrible. It's been quite a, quite a bad news week already for me, aside from politics, even. Like, I'm fine. Nothing like directly, but like bad news adjacent. Okay. Uh, for the last like week or so. I'm just tired and work is crazy. What I need in terms of a mega can, I've got these family friends. This is this is this is a tangent that I, I grew up with, and they talk about like if you get into a certain like point, you need an attitude adjuster. So uh-huh. this is in honor of my good friend Darvla Dolan, and the attitude adjuster, unfortunately, is usually a rum and coke. Even though I hate rum and coke, okay, but that's what we're drinking this evening, <laughs> Conrad, um, because never because... has it been more. Necessary, necessary to adjust our attitudes yeah Brilliant. we're, we're going to um, need to get through this people need to know news we need to try and i don't know pretend to be pirates yeah let's do that all right here you go i'm <laughs> sure like it's gonna Coca-Cola. be horrible <laughs> cheers havana mm. club yeah cuban rum mixed with cola el yeah. de cuba yeah that's spanish that is mm. what cheers. is it what oh havana is <laughs> the spanish bit okay it's a tall can, which I quite like, you know. Yeah, that's also always a good sign. Oh, oh, should not have smelt it. That doesn't smell like something I should be putting in my body. <laughs> yeah, the little, there's a little sort of cloud of chemicals at the top, wasn't there? Yeah. All that you have to get through. I mean, that's just a rum and coke, isn't it? Yeah, it's fine. Yeah. Lovely. Grand. Yeah. Cheers. Cheers. Okay, so... Right, so, news. Berlin has seen an awful lot of refugees coming in. In fact, so many that they have... Uh, reopened Tegel Airport as a refugee centre this mm-hmm. week uh, because, partly because it's 
it was all going a bit crazy at uh, the Hauptbahnhof. Yeah. Where everyone was arriving. Yeah. What do you know about that? And it, it's not just the Hauptbahnhof as well. There's lots of, I think that's maybe the main one where people are arriving. But so the Tegel, from what I understand, is like a registration center when people who are yeah. going to be sort of there, like processed, there. processed, which is a horrible term <laughs> to describe what, what people have gone through. Having not been there, but having spoken to quite a few people who have been volunteering at the Hauptbahnhof, and presumably this is the same as happening in other places, there's just there's so much happening and so much of it is being done by amazing volunteers who are just going down there all the time there are apparently some people down there like coordinating who neither ukrainian nor german they're like polish they don't actually speak either language particularly like german or english or russian or ukrainian but they're there and they're helping and i think that is that is really amazing yeah there's various things like so there's opportunities for people to to assist and you can i'm sure a lot of people are already in these unbelievable telegram groups that i just kind of like dip in and out of and they're just so overwhelming because there's so much need and so much like people offering support you can adopt dogs for a couple of days because people have brought like their family pets like their family members and can't take them with them into the accommodation so you can take those for a little while what is really needed it seems are ukrainian or russian speakers that's really really key but who do you go to like is there an organization is organizing um, all this mm. <laughs> <laughs> because what's happened what i mean i mean i i heard in the first couple of weeks that there was literally no one organizing anything at Hauptbahnhof. It was just like a free-for-all and people were turning up with signs on them saying, yeah. I can put up two people for three nights or whatever. Yeah. And uh, I heard you're not supposed to do that anymore. No, you're definitely not allowed to do that anymore. Because um, the cops will come. It's becoming very thing. I'm sure if you kind of accidentally showed up and then someone said to you, no. Yeah. Then and you went, oh God, I'm so sorry, and you left. That's fine. But people who are sticking around, being like trying to offer people work in exchange for yeah, like dodgy, dodgy things. Unfortunately, not everyone is acting in good faith. So don't do that. But the the, the um, sort of established um, refugee organisations in Berlin, like Marbit Hilft, who started out in 2015, I believe. Yes. Because uh, that was where the Lagizor was, the authority when all the Syrians arrived. Mm -hmm. And they're doing a lot of work now. And there is, if you go on the berlin.de website, there's a list of all the NGOs that you there can we go. go and... There, we've solved the, solved the problem. <laughs> um, there's also the Berlin welcome team and they basically have lists of all the different things that are needed at different places. And they have some instructions for so if you if you can't volunteer your time but you'd like to go down and do you know like bring things they have very specific lists of what they need which will save you a wasted trip if you show up with like random stuff that they don't want and then i think they also have instructions on how to like package it um they need mini hanutas lollies you know there's a lot of very bored kids there <laughs> i would I mean, imagine i like mini hanutas i mean who doesn't and then also there are places where you can offer accommodation. Still, presumably that'll be listed on the berlin.de. Yeah, definitely. If you happen to speak Russian and you have some time, that's that that's that's that seems to be sort of not obviously the the only thing that people are are needing, but it's definitely I think one of the key things because what's happening there is like people are literally arriving off the trains, hmm. and then from what I understand volunteers are kind of meeting them 
and trying to work out where these people want to go. Like, do you have an idea where you want to go? And if they're like, I don't know, quite a few people already know Berlin is apparently not taking any more refugees. But one of the things that's been criticized is there's not very much communication between the Bundesländer. Obviously, it's like a huge thing that's just had to happen as a crisis, which yeah. communication's bad. And also probably because of the lines of German communication, which is like Guffet faxing people. Like, I, I don't know. <laughs> it doesn't surprise me that these are not like centralized. I think just because of the federal system and it's all just like this. Well, there's a, there's a, there's a have you heard of the, 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 the Schlüssel? There's a sort of, there's a, supposed to be a, a key to how these things are distributed. No, I have so not heard according of that. So my rum? <laughs> if you can explain something to me, I need my rum in my hand. There's a there there is a, there is like a um a, a key. I think it's called the Königsteiner Schlüssel, and it's based on the distribution, like the the, the size of the population mm. of each Bundesland. And according to that, there's a number, a particular number of refugees that each land is supposed to take okay. in. And I think they decided this after 2015. But I think in general, like things are bureaucratically a bit easier than in 2015. Like it isn't like that was really chaos. That was when in Moabit, when people were queuing up in the middle of winter for three days straight. And it was just crowds of people mm-hmm. in the mud and they were depending on charities for food. You know, they were just standing around trying to get into this place so that they could register. And that isn't happening anymore. And that's partly just because I think that I must have learned some lessons from that because it was, you know, they must have digitalized some systems mm-hmm. and made it things slightly easier since then. But Francisca Giffey caused a little bit of controversy this week by saying, I'll, I'm going to translate this. We are hearing from the Ukrainian community in Berlin that the first question they are asking is not what benefits can I apply for, but what work can I do? Which is obviously kind of veiled racism. Um, is it even veiled? I've been looking at a column in the Tats by a journalist called Anna Dushimi, who's also has a podcast that I listen to sometimes called Heart Unfair. Um, and she comments a lot on issues of, of race and, and Germany and things. And she's just like, is this implicit or is it just explicit? Like, where do we draw... The line. Anyway, it's a good article. But yes, of course, the implication is like that that other question. They're not asking this question. Side glance over to other refugees. But this one and... Well, yeah, but the thing about that is that the other refugees aren't allowed to work. I mean, the, the, yeah. if, you're, if you're on, if you're on, if you're an asylum seeker, you're not allowed to work. Yeah, it's, That's and that point. is one of the massive criticisms of the <laughs> asylum system, because we keep people marginalised from the workforce and unable to support themselves, and yet it's bad enough when the right wing press do it to sell newspapers. Yeah, but when our actual politicians of a city like Berlin. Yeah, the mayor. The fucking mayor says stuff like that. It's it's so dangerous. It's so... And even if it was said... No, I don't actually think you could say that unthinkingly in 2022. No, I don't think she's thinking... I think because she does it quite often. I mean, I think that she's definitely trying to appeal Yeah, it's definitely like this sort of dog-whistling... Yeah, to a voter base. I mean, I think that she's sort of... uh, I think she sees her natural constituency in the sort of racist people <laughs> i don't know yeah. i don't know where i'm yeah. going well, with there's that. a certain yeah, kind of brand of I like mean, i'm not racist but if you know this yeah people who aren't maybe as sort of 
virulently right-wing and racist as like AfD voters, but who do very much buy into this myth of like the good immigrant. And I think what the point that's made in this Tans article, like she keeps making these statements and there's no backing it up. There's no thing she meant, said something about like communities with sort of migration or immigration backgrounds being less likely to get vaccinated, but there was no studies to back it up, no data, no nothing. Yeah, no, there's always, always like we, we hear from these people. It's like always we anecdotal. We hear from these Ukrainian communities like, I mean, who? <laughs> but also, yeah. And the thing is, I don't want to, I think it's also difficult to, we don't want this to become like a whataboutism where we take away any of the empathy or any of the stuff that people have for Ukrainian refugees. It's so good. And it it is undeniable that it hits us harder or it has hit us harder because it is close because we here in Germany are are closer maybe that should we should take this instead of just an opportunity to to underpin like Giffey's comments do this kind of like racism and this idea of being different kinds of refugees we look at it and we go shit what is it about me that I can look at that I haven't felt this affected when it happened in 2015 and we 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 use this as like a learning experience and like some of the stories that um, I've talked a lot about the people volunteering at the train stations and I don't want to give the opinion like they're actually the the real amazing valiant heroes of the piece are the people who are arriving there and are just a story of a mum and I don't want to because this is kind of anecdotal and I don't want to tell anyone's story but she um, apparently doesn't have a driving license packed up her car with her two sons just drove has to leave her partner there uh, stopped being able to afford fuel in Poland, so had to abandon the car in Poland and then managed to make it all the way here on train. Crazy, yeah. It's fucking unbelievable. What else? So, what's next? On the list I don't of like news. this list. I don't like it. <laughs> so, speaking of, um, we're going to have a little look at what German politics are, are doing. Oh, yeah. God, who, do, who are we doing first? Are we doing Schröder or Habeck? Please do Schröder because I don't really understand. Gerhard Schröder, what's his whole deal? So Gerhard Schröder, he was Chancellor of Germany from 1998 to 2005. Considered at the time very successful politician. He was kind of like Germany's Tony Blair, you know? Kind of okay, charismatic so, sorry, what was the first left. date? Something, something, something to 2005? 98. Okay. So and he's similar. SPD, so he yes? was like a year after Blair started. And he's SPD, yeah. And oh, God, um yeah. the yeah, and uh he is he famously in the last month so he went through he, he kind of like split the left a little bit. It's because of him that the Linker Party exists. Because as, he uh, brought uh, in uh, these reforms sort of. with Arbeitslosengeld yeah. and Hartsfeer, which is basically creating this like completely yeah. gespalted yeah, they, there was like a Society. there was a kind of a there was a split in the left because of that, and that's how the Linker Party kind of formed after in, in okay. that time. That that is an important part of the story, but anyway, that <laughs> happened. That happened. <laughs> Famously, towards the end, and this we're talking like the last few months of his election campaign, which he was went on to lose to Angela Merkel in two thousand and five. He was very very keen, suspiciously keen, to get a pipeline deal with Russia through. And he, in fact, interrupted his campaign. You'd think in an election campaign, an incumbent chancellor, and it was a neck-and-neck race with Angela Merkel. It was really, really tight. He took, like, three days off from that to get this deal signed. And 10 days before the election, he got this deal signed for Nord Stream, 
the first pipeline, which is in use now. And he got he was and there's a picture of him signing it, and Putin is there, and uh, and the the heads of Eon, like the the German energy company, and everything. All these people, uh, these big like energy companies, signing this deal, gas pipeline. He goes on to lose the election, which he knew was on the cards. He didn't. He thought he was going to win, but he lost. He kind of. But luckily, <laughs> he got the pipeline deal through. December that year, that election was September. December that year, he becomes uh, head of the supervisory board of the company that runs this pipeline, which is, I think, wholly owned or at least majority owned by Gazprom, the um, Russian energy giants which is wholly owned by the Russian state and still is and um, people are like oh that's interesting you got a, got a really nice job there just three months after you lost an election and now you're essentially an employee of the Russian state again I'm kind of like bringing it like this is all sort of you know thing um, yeah he is well very well known that He's very good friends with Putin. He, he was at, he's pictured at Putin's birthday parties in the early 2000s. Only as recently as 2017, he became head of the board, of the head of the supervisory board. So German companies have a an executive board and a supervisory board. It's kind of like one is like more important than the other, but the supervisory board is the other thing. It doesn't matter. But there's like a weird <laughs> thing. <There's> a... Anyway. Okay. <laughs> we have it. Good. And, yeah, so Schroeder becomes the, uh, just, I think it was 2017, he becomes also the head of the supervisory board of Rosneft, which is another huge Russian energy giant. And then this war starts, and his entire team, and Schroeder, as a former chancellor, still has an office in the Bundestag. He still has like um, employees who are paid by the German state and all this other stuff. He has. He still works as a lobbyist. He still meets the former... He had a meeting with Angela Merkel just after the last election. No one knows what happened at that meeting, but he had a meeting with Angela Merkel just after the last election. Why would he have a meeting? He had, he had meetings with Schroeder, uh, with, with Schultz, the current chancellor, the former finance minister during um, Schultz's time as finance minister, but they're obviously of the same party. What were they talking about? We don't know. They could have been talking about keeping Nord Stream online, making sure Nord Stream was a, you know, like a, 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 a would still feed the German economy, the German system, yeah, yeah. everything. So like Schroeder's like very much mixed up in this. His whole staff resigned as a result of the invasion because his staff because he did not he did not he would not give up his roles he was the head of these two boards and he did not want to give up those that those jobs so his whole staff resigned in protest his whole staff not in those companies but just like his general he has staff as a is he still a politician or who is yeah he? he's like a lobbyist he has big offices i mean he's right okay rich. okay yeah. so they're all just like fuck you gerhard <laughs> this is dude yeah. dude yeah, so he, uh, so there's a lot of question marks over like what his role is. I and will he was, say that. He, sorry, just one positive thing about BER Berliners, prick up your ears. <laughs> um, they've or an interesting thing. They've um, uh, obviously at BER the pubs are decorated with strange sort of black and white pictures of a variety of politicians. The ones of I think Putin have been covered down and taken over, and Gerhard Schröder. 
last time I was going through. Yeah, he's extremely unpopular now. Yeah, they covered it up. One they'd taken off entirely, like this like thing, and the other one they couldn't because yeah. it was like a big <laughs> one, but they put like a little poster over his face. It's just like a thing. Yeah, he's not do- he's not he's not gonna win any no popularity popular But um, what what's he what was he up to? What's he been up to? So it, last week he yeah. travelled to Moscow to have a personal meeting with Putin who he still considers a friend and was like trying to talk him down which I don't think obviously that's not a bad thing like you don't, no, you don't no, know no. Like, he's possibly a little bit corrupt that's like you know like there is some there's an element of uh, it is, like, has a strange smell about character, but, but yeah. I guess if anyone is going to talk Putin down I guess Schroeder has got as good a chance as anyone so I don't know. <laughs> I really. Anyway, don't know. it didn't. It doesn't seem to have done much. There was a very funny picture that um, Schroeder's wife Kim uh, posted on Instagram of herself praying in front of the hotel window, yeah, you out, me this over, and it's over, a, overlooking the Kremlin. It's a very <laughs> odd. It's a very very odd picture. <laughs> um, yeah. So oh. some people were joking. Perhaps she was praying that. Her assets wouldn't be frozen. <laughs> but anyway. Please, God, I've married this idiot for his sexy Russian money and now we're going to lose it. Damn it. Um, I don't know. Sorry, I don't want to put uh, words in another woman's head, but it's a very strange, it's a very strange thing to have posted on Instagram. Right. Not even just, it's just the whole vibe of it is odd. And you could, yeah, it's a meme waiting to yeah. happen. Well, we don't know what was said at that meeting either, obviously. And no. but we do know that since the war hasn't ended, that it wasn't possibly wasn't as successful as we might have hoped. Um, okay, great. And uh, funnily enough, the SPD, like there are politicians in the SPD that want to throw him out of the SPD now. Uh, and there's like you know, because but it's very. I mean, I don't think that's going to happen. But there are people who want to throw him out of the SPD yeah. entirely. And, it's quite but it's very difficult to throw someone out of a party yeah yeah so that's all happened okay questions yeah <laughs> so obviously what's in the in the news a lot is uh uh energy gas oil uh uh gas mainly i think and we're not gonna have Nord Stream 2 because finally everyone's realized hang on a second but where, what, you know, a lot of the criticisms being labeled at, ger- leveled at Germany are like, you're not putting like an embargo or I don't know if embargo is the technical term, but like you're still not saying no to like Russian gas supplies and stuff yeah. like that. And from what I understand, we've now got Baerbock and Habeck in their role as like foreign minister and, and economy, min- economy. Yes. yes. I was like, oh, who's the finance minister? And then I remembered they're kind of now having to be like in this difficult position as green politicians would we say like because yeah i mean when when the green party when they came to power they were very much talking about how are we going to transition to green renewable energy sources you know how are we going to do this and that and now robert harbeck has gone on an emergency trolley dash through the Middle East, particularly the UAE and Qatar, going, actually, can we, would you mind if we bought a lot of gas from you? Lads, you happen to be further down the list than of problematic, like in the Venn diagram of people with oil, 
<laughs> and people who are deeply problematic. You've shifted slightly within that inner circle. So can I come and meet with you? Fucking hell. Yeah. So he's been on a like he like, a, and that is not probably what he was expecting to do as a, a Green Party economy minister of no. Germany. Uh, to be fair, they're also they are the the Emirates are also investing heavily in something called green hydrogen, which is another um, uh, energy source that is produced from renewable sources. Mm-hmm. Um, which so he's very keen on that. But right now, the problem is that Germany is heavily dependent on Russian gas, particularly gas which yeah. runs all our heatings. Yeah. And you might have noticed it is pretty chilly in Berlin in the winter. And mm-hmm. at the moment, as things stand, we don't know exactly how we're going to heat all our homes in next winter. Yeah, so we're going to have to buy gas. There are no pipelines going here from the Middle East, though, so it would have to come by ship. There have to be special terminals that can uh, that have to be built there. Otherwise, we have to buy it from third countries, which is which is also makes it more expensive. Like we would have to buy it from countries that do have pipelines to those countries so um yeah so that is uh, quite awkward for him this time last year Annalena Baerbock was calling for the Qatar World Cup to be you know cancelled or boycotted as potentially it should be I don't know I don't well there's a lot of there's a lot of the 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 people who are building those stadiums are sort of indentured slaves yeah and a lot of people have brought that up anyway what they're not doing what the country of qatar are not doing is starting a war and those countries (laughs) i mean (laughs) oh god okay maybe we're just done with gas i I know gas is better than oil though maybe we just need to change everything very quickly to renewables yeah i mean we do want to do that I but think we want to do that anyway. And if we have to have one really cold winter, then it'll make us have even more fucking empathy with people in Mariupol who've been in the fucking snow yeah. with nothing for weeks. I mean, it won't be. It won't. Like, it won't be that bad. It won't be as bad. It, there'll be contingency plans, and Germany's a very rich country, and there'll be some yeah. way of buying a lot of uh, energy somewhere. I mean, we were we were just so ridiculously privileged here. Yes. That even like there are all kinds of problems that are being caused by this war, like um, like food security is a massive issue, but Germany, as things stand, is always going to be able to buy itself out of that, yeah. which you can't say for a lot of other countries, like a lot of African countries are wholly dependent on Ukrainian wheat, for example. And if the, if the wheat crop fails, if for some reason they can't they can't get those for exports. some reason for for some reason, <laughs> well, they expect these fucking people to feed us. Well, after they go they, through all of this, and then harvest is going to come, and we're going to like get to it, Ukraine. Oh god, oh yeah, god, so, that's terrifying. So Germany's like not going to have a massive problem, and even even if there was. Uh, like there are contingency plans like they would shut down companies first before they shut down people's homes you know yeah so it's not like people back to home office lads um a bit like with the coronavirus well this is the thing it has shown Um, us that we can be even in germany like a little bit flexible i don't know i feel am i just clutching at straws here i'm like maybe this is an option oh god i don't know so that's the energy crisis that is coming up so we've done we've done um We've, Schroeder, we've, we've done, done Habeck racist and Giffy. 
Baerbock, we've done racist Giffy. The next thing on the list is to talk about how the AfD and other associated neo-Nazis are <laughs> responding to well, the conf- war. This is quite interesting because they're, they're a bit confused now. Because The AfD and the neo-Nazis? Are we separating the them. two? <laughs> Hashtag not all AfD members. But really? Really? How's your mega cam, by the way? I'm enjoying it very yeah. much. Yeah. Just, just it's a good. To kick so this now. is like if you do actually quite like Robin Cook, or you and or you need an attitude adjuster, attitude adjustment. This will. I mean, it's not adjusting my attitude, but it's. I feel like it's leveling it out because obviously we're talking about awful things. <laughs> yeah. But it's sort of keeping me cushioning your attitude. Equilibrium. I don't know. But maybe if you were just doing like the drinking and maybe like listening to some music before you go out, and that's why you needed an attitude adjustment just to take you to the next level. This would be good. Havana Club. It's in a sort of a matte can, Cuban rum mixed with cola. Can recommend it. Is, is that they the end of They put the calories on this oh. can. Well, yeah, well, I, it, I thought they were legally in a, obliged in a, to. In a year of like, a week of horrendous news. So it's per 100 mils is 87 calories. It's like less than 300 calories. That's not bad. There you go. I don't think, think is it? They should mark it as a diet drink. <laughs> 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 Possibly. Anyway, sorry for that little um good aside, but I, I feel um, like I needed it before we talk about um so why are they conflicted? Well because the AFD's <laughs> a lot of its the, the lot of its rhetoric leading up to this invasion has been pretty pro Putin. And they were always like and, they, and a lot of like the far right generally across Europe have been always kind of anti NATO, anti EU and they've always been you know, saying, oh, you know, NATO is the aggressor and all this other stuff. So the far right has had that attitude. But in this situation, you can't really be that pro-Putin. I mean, there's not, it's not, there's not really a moral pro-Putin position at the moment. And even the AFD has sort of recognized that. And, if, and in the first few days of the invasion, they were still sort of saying... Oh, you know, NATO provoked this, blah, 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 blah. That's so weird because I have to say, and obviously this is very, like, because I ended up at a couple of sort of, not not accidentally, but I wanted to just to go to a rally, like, in the first few days. And I looked up what was happening that evening. And I went, so I ended up being at a few ones that were organized by Die Linke. And there was definitely not from the people who were speaking. They were very clear, like, in the past, we have sort of been more, like, open to the thing. This is... To, to Russia and, and, and taking their thing aside into account as well as the West. This is unacceptable. And so that was the speakers. But there were definitely in the crowd like a few hardcore people that were like really blaming NATO for this. Were saying things like neither Washington nor Moscow. That seems to be a bit of a... And yeah, I mean, a lot of um, interesting and complex well, the, place. The, the, the AFD and the Linkers share a kind of, especially in East Germany, they do uh, share a voter base, which is which has some affinity to Russia because they're people who learned Russian and there was, uh, yeah. there was, there was certain, yeah. um, so their old, especially their older voter base is quite kind of culturally sympathetic to Russia. And uh, yeah, you do still get that in the AFD circles. Meanwhile, though, there's a, there's a the opposing strain and this is very strong apparently in the neo-Nazi culture scene. They, they there's a kind of uh, 
there's a very there's very pro-Ukrainian because there is that um, Azov battalion, which is like a, a like a hardcore far right battalion fighting on the Ukrainian side. So there have been some a handful of neo-Nazis who wanted to go and fight and, as they put it, defend Europe. You know. Um, yeah, and the Azov battalion, from what I understand, is has been this very like small but quite vocal kind of thing amongst the sort of Ukrainian national sort of yeah movement but anyway so the a lot but of also, these do you think it's like a historical thing with nazis it's like the eastern front <laughs> yeah you i know. think it is yeah yeah like in a way yeah but then they, they, so they, they, <laughs> they were sharing a lot of tips on telegram there were all these people who right. follow the neo-nazi telegram channels and they were going like how do we join the azov battalion you know they're getting really excited and then uh, thanks to Bell Tower News, who our former guest Nick Potter works mm-hmm. for, um, they asked a question of the the Federal Interior Ministry exactly how many known German neo-Nazis are going to go or have gone to Ukraine to fight. And they would be monitoring that, would they? Yeah, I mean, they, they have, like, because they're neo-Nazis, so they would have, um, they would, you know, through the Verfassungsschutz, they would keep tabs on those people. Okay. And it turns out that there are 27 people who are thinking about it. Oh, Jesus. And uh, it said a low one-figure sum. <laughs> that was how the, the Interior Ministry put it. A low one-figure so sum. Less of, than 10. <laughs> less than five is a low one-figure sum. Oh. It's not even a high one-figure sum. <laughs> a less than five of people have actually gone to Ukraine to fight of all these neo-Nazis. So very few. So I think as romantic as it might sound for, for for those people to go and fight in the east like the uh like they they the Nazis you did eighty years ago, they right. actually don't really feel like doing it. We'd rather talk about tips on on Telegram. Yeah, <laughs> this does like not that. surprise me. Things like These that. are not correct Oh frickin' hell. Okay. Yeah. So that's just a little pricey there. I I kind of um, summed it up very simplistically, I think, in the last 45 minutes. But it'll just have to do, frankly. That's fine. It's hard. It's now dark. It's dark now. It's still technically sort of... I mean, I know it's technically spring, but it's still cold in the evenings. Yeah. Not for long, no. Megan Hines, not for long. Remember, everyone, check if your clocks are tricking you on Sunday morning. Yeah. Yeah, I guess. Is there a a positive to to finish on? Not really. It's terrible. But I will say, like I was saying, the outpouring of support for... And yes, of course, we have to, like, critique... Rather than critique our now kind of support, I think, for Ukrainians, like, critique... Look back in the past and say, okay, like we could have done better there. Hmm. Like, we all could have, probably. or Not everybody, but, like, a lot of us could have done better. And how do we remember this going forward? But, I don't know, the stories that I'm hearing from people volunteering and offering up their homes and offering to drive dogs around and people around and the stories of these heroic people leaving are really great. And, like, in a relatively short space of time, the the stuff at the stations like there's whole different factions there's like people wearing different color vests if you're gonna help 
ferry people about and get them where they need to go, whether it's another train or take them to the apotheca to get medicines. Or then there's like people with other vests that are like uh, psychological support for both the refugees and for the people helping. Uh, apparently just like groups of young, mainly men who've shown up as part of some kind of organization just to help carry bags. That's cool. Even if society is collapsing around us, we might have these moments. But we should probably also send loads of guns. I don't know. <laughs> That's the thing we haven't spoken about. Maybe next time we'll talk yeah, about yeah. how many guns we're sending. Okay. <laughs> Great. Well, thank you very much. <laughs> thank I've, you I've for th- listening. Thanks very um, much. And uh, have a good weekend. Take care of yourself. Goodbye. Bye. Thanks for the news, Conrad. I think. You're welcome. I hope always. it was clear. It was. It's always nice to get it from you. I'm a sort of friendly face of the you news. You are. You're the... You're... Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Good. All right. Good night, everybody. Bye. Bye.